Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back. I am Diana Kander, welcoming you to my journey of self-improvement. You know, I've been thinking of all the other things that I could call this show. A lot of people come up and talk to me about the name. I could call it Curious AF. I could call it Work in Progress, Everyday Innovation. I guess the reason I chose Professional AF was that I strongly believe I am so far from the professional that I want to be. And by working on myself, uncovering my blind spots and committing to constant growth, I can get closer and closer to it each and every week. And this week was such a big surprise for me. I have stayed away from productivity books and talks like they were influenza. I just did not think that I needed efficiency in my life. I didn't want to hear the email hacks, the prioritization matrix. And then I came across the work of Laura Vanderkam, and I understood just how wrong I had been all this time. Productivity isn't about being a more efficient cog at work. It's about managing your life in such a way to significantly increase how much fun you're having and how much growth you're achieving. Laura is the author of several time management and productivity books, including Juliet's School of Possibilities, Off the Clock, I Know How She Does It, what the most successful people do before breakfast, and 168 hours. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and Fortune. She lives outside Philadelphia with her husband and four kids. On this show, Laura and I are going to discuss the biggest question that you can ask yourself to increase the time that you have available each day, how we ruin the free time that we do have, how to help yourself do the things that you really want out of life, the tool Laura recommends to help you find all the free time that you actually need, how to change your morning routine to be a lot more fun and productive, and just practical tips to get a lot more enjoyment out of life. Before we get to the interview, I humbly ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to it. You don't have to write a review. I mean, those are great, but take less than one second and just pick a number of stars for this show just to let people know that the content is worth their time. I thank you in advance. And I'm excited to dive into my conversation with Laura Vanderkam. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Laura, this is the first book that I have ever read in my life about productivity and getting more accomplished. I really like the idea, but I pretty much hate routine of any kind. And I'm not a checklist person, but I found so many valuable pieces of research and suggestions that I just could not wait to bring this information to our family, to our community at Professional AF. Well, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) I I hope that I can uh, offer useful suggestions for all sorts of people. Some some folks are in the checklist and some aren't, but uh, I think we all want to live good lives and accomplish what we set out to do. I I just always thought it wasn't for me that it took a lot of willpower and a lot of routine that I just am allergic to. So it was, it was a real pleasant surprise. Well, that's good. So let's talk about how the most successful people think about their day first, or really how they make their work day a 
a lot more fun and fulfilling. So first of all, we have a very heavy female audience. Is there a difference between what successful men and women do? Well, no, I don't think there ultimately is. I think everybody would like to do great things professionally, leave the world a different place because of the stuff we did. I think most of us would like to have a full personal life too, um, spending time with friends and family and taking care of our physical bodies and doing awesome things in our communities. So on a fundamental level, I think we all are aiming for the same thing. That said, I, I do think that men and women still operate with kind of different cultural assumptions that do affect how they spend time. A lot of women, even as they achieve great things in the workplace, still have a story sometimes going in the back of their heads that working hard professionally is somehow taking them away from their loved ones, whereas many men have the story that working really hard professionally and accomplishing great things is how they contribute to their loved one's well-being. And, and so it just, you know, leads to different things, right? It leads to different amounts of how much sort of personal things you might feel like you need to make time for during the day or what sort of hours you might see as acceptable to work or what kind of travel might be okay. I do think this is changing somewhat, and certainly some people of both genders have, have different stories they tell themselves. But uh, I've, I've found sort of that still back assumption to, to be there for many women. And what you've really done through all of your talks and through your work with individuals is become like a time advisor. I don't know if I've come up with this term, but I finished the book after leaving my financial advisor's office. And that's all I thought about. Like we go to people to help us manage our money, but time is the only thing that we cannot get back after we spend. So really you advise people how to use their time in a much better way. Yeah, I, that's a good way to think about me. I'll take that. <laughs> um, think about me as a as a time advisor, like your financial advisor. And and there are many parallels between time and money. I mean, they're both scarce resources that we would like to optimize. They can often be substituted for each other. The one major difference, as you pointed out, is that you can make more money, but you can never make more time. And once a second is gone, it's gone. So, you know, it's as if the wealthiest person in the world saw his fortune burn before his eyes at, at the end of every 24 hours. Um, that's what we're working with, with time. Now, that said, there are certainly ways to feel like time is more abundant and to feel like we have, we're wealthier when it, when it comes to time. But uh, we do need to be, I think, more careful with it than we may even need to be with our money simply because of the, the nature of time being gone forever. And I think another similarity between the two is that most of the time we spend on defense with both money and time. Like we're just trying to answer all the things that the world wants of us instead of thinking about how to get on offense and doing the things that we actually want to do and accomplish with our lives. Yeah. And, and one of the questions I, when I have people think about their time, you know, people often are dealing with questions of what do I want to spend less time doing, right? And we think about our schedules, we're like, well, you know, my time problem is that I'm spending too much time on X, Y, or Z, whatever X, Y, or Z might be. It might be commuting, it might be meetings, it might be, you know, time wasters in our personal lives or chores and errands we don't wish to be doing. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we would like to spend less time doing. 
And that may be worth considering, but one of the best ways to spend less time on things you don't really care about is to spend more time on things you do care about (laughs) because, yeah, there's only 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week. So we wind up with this crowding out effect that the more time is devoted to really cool stuff, the less time is available for the stuff that is less meaningful and enjoyable. So, you know, I always tell people, think about what you'd like to spend more time doing. Think about how you can actively block that into your schedule. And then you may be surprised to find how much less time you are spending responding to email. Um, And it's just because you have a lot more stuff you care about. That's such great advice. I feel like most people don't even allow themselves to think about what they want. Do you find that to be the case? Like when you ask them, it's the first time in a long time that they've thought about big goals that they have or even little things that they would like to spend their time doing. Yeah. Well, I love to have people make a good long list of of anything that they might want to spend more time doing. And if I have people talk about it in groups, these are definitely some animated conversations. People are very excited and energized to talk about things that they would like to spend more time doing. I think what happens is that a lot of us are walking around with this story in our brains that I have no time whatsoever. And if you have this story that I have no free time, I have no time for myself, I have no time for anything. Well, you know, you can find evidence to support it. Um, You know, we all have busy moments. But because of that, we don't ask what we want to do with our time. And because we don't ask, when free time does appear, we spend it in the most effortless ways possible. We spend it on whatever is right in front of us, which tends to be watching television or Netflix, watching, you know, scrolling around online, puttering around the house, kind of not really thinking about it. Um, it, it takes effort to say like, hey, I'd like to start a book club or I'd like to join a choir um, or I'd like to read through the best novels of the past century uh, and, and choose to do those things. Um, be, but, you know, when we put the effort into making those things happen, we then notice that we have time. Like We no longer have this story that I have no time. I love the part of the book that's titled, This Is All There Is. And that's such an important point that you make. Like, this is it. I don't know what you're saving your time for, but this is life. <laughs> and it, it doesn't change, you know, like it only ends. Yeah. And, and I think what happens with this is um, something I've written about in, in now another book that uh, is called Off the Clock that came out last year. But there's this tension between our present experiencing selves and our anticipating selves, which is the self that is looking forward to the future and thinking about what we might like to do, and the remembering self, which is the part of us that thinks back on our past and sort of relishes our memories and, you know, looks back on all the things we've done in life. And, you know, the, the anticipating self is the kind who'd really like to do cool stuff, you know? She'd like to have awesome plans to look forward to. And the remembering self would love to have done cool things, right? And be like, oh, yeah, remember when we did that? That was amazing. Yeah, that was awesome. The problem is the present self, the experiencing self, is the one who has to actually do that stuff. And so let's say it's, you know, going to the art museum on Friday night when it's free admission and they have live music and stuff like that. Like, it'd be a really cool thing to do, right? You might look forward to it during the week. Um, If you go to it afterwards, you'll be like, yeah, that was really awesome. I'm the kind of person who does cool stuff on Friday night. But what happens is that your experiencing self is the one who's just gotten home from work on Friday night, and she is tired, and it's raining, 
And it's going to take effort to get back in the car and go to the art museum. So she said, like, well, you know, I could just watch Netflix. Like, you know, I'll just sit here and do this. The art museum will be around next Friday, whatever. And and that's what happens. Like, we we don't have a whole lot of energy in the present moment. And it's really hard to make ourselves do stuff. So we don't. <laughs> but then you wind up with a situation where you kind of never do anything. And that's why I'm asking, you know, what are you saving your energy for, right? Like, what are you saving your energy for? Like, great that you got to the end of the night feeling, you know, like you didn't do anything. Awesome. <laughs> so um, let's, let's think about treating our experiencing selves as just one voice in a three-actor play. And, you know, if you want to do something fun, if your anticipating self wanted to do something, and your remembering self would have been glad to do it, then just tell your present self to get over it. Or just make commitments that you have to live up to. Yeah, you could try that too. I mean, that, people are very sneaky about getting out of them. So <laughs> it may or may not work. Well, that's, I don't, I don't have a lot of willpower, but I, I do have courage. And so that's pretty much how I have been to date outsmarting my present self. Like I want to read books. I want to improve myself. But on my own terms, I would read less than two books a year. And then I started this podcast where I have to read a book every four days. And, you know, that seemed like something that would be impossible to my other self. But anything is doable if it's exciting enough and you have the right motivation, I guess, or commitments that you've made, the accountability. Yeah, exactly. Um, and a system like yours, it's given you just that little extra nudge. Um, to say, well, oh, you know, I, I need to because I need to share this stuff with my listeners. All right. So the first step is we need to make a list of all the things that we really want, because this is it. This is life. So why not just have a lot more fun and enjoy it? And would you make a list like in your personal life, in your professional life? Do, do you have suggestions for that? Sure. Um, in, in general, I think there are kind of three spheres that I that I have people think about. There's career relationships, and self. And, you know, there's probably some arguable thing about what fits into what category, right? Uh, but I think those broad ones generally cover most of the things that people would care about. So, you know, there's things you want to spend more time on professionally. It might be new projects you want to launch, maybe a business you want to start, things you want to learn for work, networking goals you have, uh, sales goals you might have, anything sort of along those lines. The relationships, things you want to spend more time doing or things you want to do with friends and family, right? Or other members of your community that you're trying to build these relationships with. Self would be the things like exercise and hobbies. Um, all, all those sorts of things would go in the, in the self category. Maybe reading would go in there as well. And so, you know, as you make these three categories, it encourages you to think in all these spheres. And you know, it's, it's the same reason I like to make even to-do lists with these three categories, just because it encourages me to put something in all of the different categories. And it's very tempting when we have a to-do list to only say, put professional stuff on there and think, well, if I have to put something in the relationship category, what would that be? And then that right there kind of nudges you to do something with friends or family. So, so yeah, those, those three categories. I know that a lot of people listening right now are like, well, that's adorable, but I have kids and I have to be at work by a certain time. There's no way I'm going to get any of these. Like, I'm not even going to make a list because I don't have time to do these things. And you do a really good systematic way of breaking out how we spend our mornings, how we spend our weekdays and how we spend our weekends to actually be able to accomplish these things. 
Yeah, well, I mean, whenever we say I don't have time for something, um, that tends to mean it's not a priority for me. And that is absolutely fine. Uh, I think it's just important to acknowledge it. Um, It may be that you're in a stage of life where exercise is not a priority. It may be that you're in a stage of life where friends just can't be a priority for you for right now. You know, maybe there's some sort of health crisis in your family. And so other relationships really just have to take a back seat. I mean, there's all kinds of good reasons uh, for things to not be a priority. Of course, there's all sorts of bad reasons too. And so I think we need to be honest with ourselves. Um, Is it truly a priority or is it not? Because I think if it is a priority, you can make some space for it in your life. I always tell people to track their time. Um, many of the stories we are telling ourselves about where our time goes fall apart when you have the data in front of you. Um, and if you are looking at where all your time goes, you might be able to see that some time could be redeployed from a category that is not particularly meaningful or enjoyable for you or the people you care about uh, to things that are meaningful and enjoyable to people that you care about. And, you know, I, I know people are busy. I say this as somebody who, you know, I, I run a business. I have four children. I have various other things I do. Um, so, you know, it's, there is space. We just need to be a little bit more strategic about it. So today I was with a friend who works at NBKC, and I was thinking about how we keep saying that part of the reason NBKC is such a great bank is that it's apparently such a great place to work. And I asked him, like, do you like working there? And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to die there. I hope he doesn't feel like his life is in some kind of danger. I don't think he meant like soon. I think he meant, <laughs> I'm going to work there for my whole life. I'm pretty sure that's what he meant. I mean, I can text him and double check, but I'm pretty sure. NBKC uh, is an incredible bank that has everything that you need and nothing that you don't. They have no minimum balance fees, no money pass ATM fees, no foreign transaction fees, no overdraft or insufficient fund fees, no stop payment fees, and no fees for incoming domestic wires. The thing that I love about NBKC this week is that there are no maximums for the checks that you can deposit online, which is super cool. And I accidentally tried to deposit a check twice. And they were like, nope, you already deposited this check. And at my previous bank, they would have accepted it and then charged me a fee for me doing that and sent me a letter otherwise. So just very little things that constantly give me a warm, fuzzy feeling about NBKC. So uh, also, we keep telling you about this box of stuff you'll get if you open up an account. We finally got a look at one of these boxes, and it is pretty cool stuff. And I was like, I want some of that stuff. And Diana said, you should open up an account. And I was like, but we already have an account. She's like, but you should open one. So I don't know what I'm going to do to get a box of stuff. There's a book from the show, water bottle, swag, just all kinds of gift from NBKC. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Just go to nbkc.com slash Diana, and you will see what makes the bank so different and open an account and get a free box of stuff. And then if you have any of it you don't want, you can give it to me. Yeah, we'll I take it. It's pretty cool stuff. I don't have another way to get it. Of professional AF swag, not available for sale. NBKC is an equal housing lender and member FDIC. So as we've said many times, we have a tendency to talk about our whoops just like all the time. And I was at work the other day and one of the guys I work with, who's a retired Marine colonel, he was like, Jason, what's that thing on your wrist? And like three minutes later, I realized I had been talking nonstop as if it was a podcast ad, but I'm pretty sure he's going to get a whoop. 
the highlight of my week was when Kelly asked me to tell me more. Go ahead. Tell me about the Whoop. I was so excited to do it. Wow, let me get out my phone and show you. So Whoop is the ultimate fitness tracker that provides personalized daily insights into recovery, strain, and sleep. There was an article last week about how I think it's one of the most accurate sleep uh, trackers that are available on the market. It's got a five-day battery life and I haven't taken it off since we purchased it. It can be charged while you're wearing it with this really cool slip-on doohickey. I've been sick this week, and uh, every morning I've woken up and been like, this is the day I'm going to work out again. And I've actually gone like four or five consecutive days without working out, which usually would be bad, but I know I've probably kept myself from injury because each morning the whoop has been like, no, you are still sick. Do not do that. And I'm glad I listened. It's not just you, Jason. People who use the Whoop have reported behavior changes like improved sleep, less drinking, fewer injuries, reduced resting heart rate and heart rate variability, just increased overall well-being and less injuries. It's like making a difference. Whoop has provided an offer for our listeners to get 15% off your purchase with the code Diana. Just go to whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P dot com and use the code diana at checkout to save 15 percent and optimize the way that you live and if you see us on the street ask us to tell you about our whoops i love the exercise and the worksheet that you provide we'll link the worksheet in the show notes uh, for the show and this is where you start and i think there's always a big disconnect between how we perceive ourselves and how we actually act you actually have an example in the book that, you know, whenever somebody goes on a diet or a new lifestyle, the first thing the doctor asks you to do is to document how you're currently living so that you can see what it is that you're consuming. And I feel the same way about time, right? Like make a list of how you're living your week and you will see some big issues come up quickly. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen anyone's time log who couldn't find some way to change things up. I mean, nobody is, a hundred percent locked into anything. There may be choices we have made um, that you know we need to examine, um, but you know it's certain stories that are we are often telling ourselves, and we can look at them and say, "Well, are they true? Like, do I have to wake up early to prepare meals for my whole family?" Well, no, actually, you don't probably have to. Um, do I have to, you know, stay up late cleaning the house? Well, again, no, you probably don't have to. Um, and, and so, you know, you need to look at these things and, and decide, is this truly the way I want to be spending my time or is it not? Well, let's start with mornings because that's one of the categories of how we spend our time. And, you know, my morning routine feels very, very hectic. Uh, the, there's a little six-year-old involved and we're just trying to get him out the door and fed. And you say that it doesn't have to be that way, that we can actually have fun and enjoy our mornings and that was just a crazy idea to me. So I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, we're often very focused on getting out the door in the morning and particularly when there are kids involved. Um, and a lot of it becomes about that, but that doesn't have to be all of it. Um, and if a, if a child is young enough, you may, you know, if you want to have some personal time, it might need to happen before that child gets up. Um, if somebody has a partner, maybe they can trade off um, you know, each parent takes one morning with the kid or, you know, whatever, and then the other can do something else, like go for a workout or spend some quiet time reading or reflecting or doing something creative. Um, 
you know, it's, it's, but as the kids get older, you can sort of start doing your own stuff anyway, that they can be responsible for kind of getting themselves ready in the morning. And, and then you all meet up and start transporting each other to where you need to go. Uh, but I think, you know, mornings are really a great time for getting stuff done and particularly for things that we really want to do. Um, so, you know, I encourage people who have something they'd like to do in their personal lives and they haven't figured out when it could fit in to consider getting up at a regular time in the morning and doing whatever that thing is. And then, you know, in order to get up at a reasonable time in the morning, you need to go to bed at a reasonable time at night. Uh, but the good news is that when people track their time, they often discover that they are not spending, say, the hour or two before bed on particularly high-priority personal activities. This tends to be the time when people are just hitting next in the Netflix queue or scrolling around online. Uh, and if that is you, <laughs> you know, you could cut that off a little bit earlier, go to bed a little bit earlier, wake up a little bit earlier, um, and, and have that morning time for something that's meaningful for you. I love the idea that you shared about planning out your mornings, that we spend just as much time with family in the morning as we do during dinner, but we spend a lot more time planning the evening and dinner and what we're going to do together. And that just was a, was a big aha for me. Like, Oh, we could do fun activities in the morning and it could be enjoyable. That's, that's an amazing thought. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, you mentioned the family meals, like, so family dinner gets this, sort of elevated position in our culture. And I think it you know, often makes people then feel bad for whatever reason it isn't happening in your family for various scheduling uh, reasons. But, you know, family breakfast is still a family meal. And in fact, family breakfast can be even better because breakfast food tends not to inspire the <laughs> same sort of fighting that uh, dinner food tends to inspire. Um, you know, so it, it can certainly be a mindful to gather meal. Um, so I encourage people to think about that or little kids often wake up at the crack of dawn. I mean, if you got young kids, you know, this, uh, and I, I find it funny how often they're just total blind spots about this in people's mindsets about how much time they're spending with their kids. Like I've had people tell me, Oh, I never see my kids. You know, I'm working full time. I never see my kids because I get home at like what six thirty, and my kid goes to bed at seven, seven thirty. So I'm only there for an hour and this is horrible and terrible. And you know, should I quit? Should I scale back? I'm like, well, you could, um, that's an option, but you know, I'll talk to these people and find out that their kids are waking up at five in the morning. And they leave for work at eight. And it's like, well, there's three hours there that just are not even in your mind as existing. Well, why not? Right? Like time doesn't have to happen at 10 a.m. on Tuesday in order to count. Um, so I encourage people to look at the whole of their time um, because often there may be time in the morning for real quality relationship building interaction. I love it. Okay, let's talk about the workday because that's where a lot of our stress about our to-do list and what we're not getting enough done list is originating. So how are we, like, I just think we have a culture of busyness in our society. And I wonder if it's possible to ever do anything about that. Well, I think a lot of us are walking around with this story that the busier you are, the more important you are. And so we have a vested interest in showing the world just how busy we are. And of course, this pro plays out in predictable ways. So we feel like we need to be in our inboxes all the time. Um, and if you're in your inbox all the time, you never get anything else done, right? You're constantly going back and forth with that. Or, you know, with meetings, it becomes not a question of like, is this meeting the right thing to do? It's, 
am I free? And then it becomes this whole back and forth of finding the time for six people to meet. And it gets rescheduled three times because you know, somebody can't make it. And it generates its own work, none of which was actually important. Um, and, and, and I think that tends to happen quite a bit. Um, so, you know, one of the best things you can do, again, we can try to spend less time on the things that we don't want to do. And I have to get people asking me, like, what's, a, what's an email hack, like a way I can <laughs> spend less time on my inbox? And again, it's like, well, email expands to fill the available space. Like the only way to spend less time on email is to choose to spend less time on email, to give it less time. Um, you know, and I'm not saying you only check it once a day. That's going to be ridiculous for most people. But even if you need to check every hour, if you give yourself 45 minutes where you're not in your inbox and then 15 minutes where you are and then 45 minutes where you're not in your inbox and 15 minutes where you are, you will be nearly instantly responsive to anything that's actually urgent. Like, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons you would take 45 minutes to respond. Like, you could be driving somewhere. You could be in a meeting that you couldn't be on your phone. Um, but then you also preserve time for other things and actually focusing on something else for 45 minutes is quite a while. I mean, if people haven't tried this, if they've been so distracted, they may be shocked to discover how twitchy they feel at the end of 45 minutes. Um, but you can, you can really you know, crack some stuff out in, in that amount of focus time. Well, that's a really great tip. Uh, and about the, the bigger issue of, of busyness, do you think that it's possible to create, like, I want to create a t-shirt that just says not busy, but I just think people will judge me <laughs> for it. Like, I don't think it'll be taken the right way. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's um, one thing I, I kind of refuse to say the word busy. Um, you know, people ask me how my weekend was. I'm not going to say busy. I mean, that's a very boring answer. Right? How can you even continue the conversation when they, what you said is busy? Like what they're asking is, did you do anything interesting? And then you can say, oh, well, we did this. And then that opens up a conversation of like, oh, yeah, we tried that two years ago, or we've been thinking about doing that, or, you know, that sounds it just, it, you want to be more specific, right? Busy is just this sort of blatant or whatever answer. Um, you know, or just say it was good. Um, or if somebody, you know, talks about your life, I say, I have a full life. Um, I prefer the word full. Because it implies more chosen and good um, as opposed to just, you know, highlighting the fact that I have a great deal to do. I love that. So maybe I'll adjust my T-shirt to say my life is full, not busy. That's good. I like it. Thank you. Thank you for that. Let's talk about the to-do list, which is uh, I heard this great saying that your email is stuff that other people want you to do your to-do list is stuff that you think you should do. And then your calendar is what you actually get done. I, I think there's something to that. Um, anything that is going to get done will take time. Right. And so if you're not willing to give something time, that's pretty much saying that you're not going to do it. And a calendar is, uh, an acknowledgement of how much time there actually is in a day. The issue is people can still be irrational with their calendars. I mean, they double book stuff or they say it'll only take 15 minutes when it's never taken less than an hour. Um, you know, I, I think what the even better record is to actually track your time, you know, keep a time log and show what you actually did. So it's not just what you intended to do, what you scheduled to do, but what life actually looked like. Uh, and then you can look back on this and say, oh, well, that's 
that's interesting. Um, you know, I, I budgeted 30 minutes for this and took 60. Well, why did, why was that? Is it always going to take 60? Maybe I should plan more rationally going forward to always allow 60 minutes for this particular activity. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you, we need to be rational about how much time things take and how much can fit in any given period of time, uh, which is often less than people think will fit in any given period of time. And we should think about waste, like what we're wasting our time. Whenever I work with teams and they say, we don't have time to innovate or try new things, I say, well, you're doing a lot of things that are not really creating value and we can cut those out. I call those zombie projects or zombie meetings. And I, I feel like most of our days are filled with things that take up time, but aren't creating the amount of value that they should be in our, towards the goals that we're working on or our career. Yeah. I mean, time is always filled with something and we can always come up with something to fill our time. Uh, You know, and many of those things look very productive. You're sending emails, you're in a meeting, you're having serious conversations. It looks very productive. Uh, But where is it leading toward? And, And if the ultimate ends really aren't that valuable to you, then I would argue that it's pretty much wasted time, um, which is is harsh, but, uh, you know, it's good to, good to keep our eyes on, on the ultimate goal. We can take it. The people listening to the show, they can take it. They get a lot of good insights like that. I love how you, you know, you phrase this, understand how what you're doing isn't really work and then understand how things you're not doing could be considered valuable work that you're, that you're discounting. So a lot of people think that doing email is work and it's not, it's just a time filler. That's not really getting you towards your goals unless your job is email responder for somebody else. Right. Obviously email is a tool to do our jobs. I mean, email is very useful for reaching out to people and and communicating. It's just that it's not the job itself. So you want to make sure that you protect time during the day for whatever are the fundamental objectives of your job. I definitely encourage people to build in strategic thinking time and planning time, um, learning time, getting to know other people and sort of talking about ideas with them. And we always, you know, these tend to be the things that we consider nice to do, but we're too busy for that right now. We'll get to that when we've got more time. There's never going to be more time. You know, you're better off making it a habit of doing these things first and realizing that, you know, you can squeeze in the email and the less important meetings around everything else. One of my favorite parts of this episode is the completely different way to think about breakfast. And since we can't get all the family dinners that we want, we should stop neglecting breakfast time as the really special time that we all get together. One of the things that I've been thinking because of that is that we should do KiwiCo in the morning. I want to try that. Yeah, because it's like, one, just a fun activity to do together. And two, it's breakfast, so it'll get your kids like brain going before school. That's that's a good thought. KiwiCo creates super cool hands-on projects for kids to make learning about STEAM fun. STEAM is science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Designed by experts and tested by kids, there is no need to research or worry about gathering all the supplies. I want to go to the room where the kids test this. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's like in the movie Big. Um, so here's the stuff that comes in the box. Uh, you get all the supplies that's needed for that month's project. 
You get detailed, easy-to-follow instructions that are written for kids. That's important. And an educational magazine, which is actually really cool. Uh, True and I like reading that together. Uh, it's an educational magazine where you, you can learn even more about the theme for that month. So True and I have a lot of fun with this. We, we love doing it together. They have seven different lines to choose from for all ages, from zero to 104. Don't know how they came up with the cutoffs, but there's something for every kid on your list. And this holiday, you can give the gift of hands-on learning to tomorrow's makers. KiwiCo is the convenient, affordable way to encourage your kids to be anything that they want to be. There is no commitment. You can cancel anytime. Monthly options start at $16.95 a month, including shipping. For our listeners, you go to KiwiCo.com slash Diana to get your first month free. Every day counts when it comes to making a difference. So don't miss out on this amazing opportunity. Again, you go to KiwiCo.com slash Diana and get your first month free. That's KiwiCo.com slash Diana. Let's talk a little bit about weekends because that's such an important time. And I, I feel like we barely make it to the weekend and then we haven't really planned anything once we get there and we're just trying to make it through until Monday. Yeah, that can definitely happen. And, you know, what part of what happens is that we do feel so busy during the week that we get to the weekend and we think, I want to do nothing. But it's impossible to do nothing. Like, you'll do something, but it might not be nearly as rejuvenating as if you'd put a tiny bit of thought into it. Um, a lot of people go that way. Um, there's also people who go the other direction of like, like, well, I have to do everything on the weekend, right? I'm going to get through this backlog of six months of house projects I haven't gotten to, you know, and I'm going to plan every meal for the week and cook it ahead of time. So I'll somehow magically not be busy this week, which is, of course, just never works. Like you'll still fill your time with something. Um, and, and so I encourage people to approach weekends from a slightly different way. Like plan a few what I call anchor events. So maybe even just three things on the weekend um, that would be fun, like that would add to your energy levels. And it doesn't have to be terribly elaborate, but it could be something like going for a bike ride with a friend, maybe get it going out to dinner with your spouse, going to worship services or volunteering somewhere or something like that. But if you sort of identify those things ahead of time and look at your weekend and think about where they can go and then deal with any of the logistics that need to happen, tickets, reservations, babysitters, whatever it happens to be, like you'll have awesome weekends. Like you'll hit Monday feeling like I just had an amazing couple of days off. Like I feel like life is good. And now I'm hitting money Monday with energy as opposed to hitting Monday exhausted or disappointed, neither of which is very fun. One of my favorite tips from the book is that we dump a lot of chores onto the weekends and then that makes our weekends boring and not fun. And to fit them in during the weekday, we've actually, we did laundry last night before bed and now I have no laundry to do. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really, it, I mean, it's not impossible. You know, I just said, we were going to do this tonight and uh, everybody seemed to agree. And I was very shocked, but it happened. So it's, it's yeah. crazy what your family will agree to if you just ask. Yeah, no, I mean, leaving everything to the weekend or putting everything on the weekend means that you'll wind up doing a ton of chores on the weekend. Um, which you can, uh, but even if you do decide to leave it to the weekend, which is, which is fine, I would encourage people to set a very limited window for these things. Because what winds up happening is if you're around your house, you're kind of seeing the messes, and then you can spend your entire weekend dealing with them, and then you feel like you never relax. Whereas if you say, 
okay, we clean the house from, I don't know, 10 to noon on Saturday, and that's it. Like, all chores must be done between 10 and noon on Saturday. Well, then at any other point in the week, you find yourself looking at something that's dirty. You say, well, I you know, don't need to deal with that because there's a time, 10 to 12 on Saturday. And if it's not 10 to 12 to Saturday right now, um, I will deal with it then. And I think that that gives people more permission to relax. And it also makes you make some choices. Um, you do whatever has to truly be done during that time, um, but don't do the sort of little things that have much more diminishing returns. I think a lot of what you talk about, like a lot of people think that productivity uh, tips and tricks are about getting more accomplished with your day, but that's not at all what you talk about. You talk about how to have a more fulfilling life, how to enjoy your life more. And I, I just think that you're not doing these things to become a more efficient worker for your boss or your organization. You're doing these things so that you can enjoy this, which is, this is it, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, and, and I think that's definitely, sometimes people will, you know, write very uh, angsty sort of things of like, oh, but I don't want to be a productive cog in the machine. And that's why <laughs> this is completely wrong and the wrong approach to life. And I want to sit outside and stare at the clouds. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, I would love for you to consciously choose to go sit outside and stare at the clouds. What winds up happening when people don't think about their time is they wind up spending hours on Instagram. Like, they don't go out and look at the clouds. Like, they scroll around online reading stupid stuff on Twitter. Um, you really, in our distracted world, have to think about how you even want to spend downtime. And I'm not saying, like, you have to plan every 15 minutes. I'm saying you have to think about what would be meaningful and enjoyable to you and sort of create your schedule in order to make that possible. Um, and, you know, if you have a job you enjoy, then I certainly think you would want to do a good job at it, right? Like that that's, would be a personal priority is building the life you want. Now, if you don't enjoy your job, then we need to figure out how you can get to a place where you can be doing something different. Um, and, and that's a different question, but that's also a matter of how you spend your time. You're not going to change it by just sort of going along and, and so we, you know, our lives are lived in hours. And by being thoughtful about how we allocate those hours, we can do all sorts of amazing things that are, you know, fulfilling to us, that we can build these lives we want in, in the time that we've got. Laura, I, I just want to thank you for the, I don't know, immeasurable hours of enjoyment that you have given to my family now that we think about breakfast differently. Now that we think about the weekends differently, I just, I can't thank you enough. And I would love for you to share how people can follow you, find out more about you and the upcoming work that you have. Yeah. So you can visit my website, which is lauravandercam.com. It's just my name. Um, if you like to listen to podcasts and you're all caught up with this one, we can, um, you can check out, uh, before breakfast every weekday morning, I have a short productivity tip that I share with people. So you can check that out or Another podcast I have called Best of Both Worlds. My friend Sarah Hart Unger and I discuss issues of work and family from the perspective of people who really love both. Um, so we have new episodes of that every Tuesday. That's awesome. Laura, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Jesse Jacob, I am feeling more productive already. Amen. Just having listened to it. So good. I want everybody to join you and me on the Facebook group, Professional AF Podcast Insiders. You and I are fairly active in the group. Fairly. 
We post our favorite articles, our favorite discount codes for products that support this show. You know, anything, what we think about the show. But let's just give the people a nice preview. What did you get out of the show? Well, she has a lot of clever ideas about how to spend your time wisely in a way that you enjoy spending your time. Uh, I thought it was super cool that she once again is reminding you that you get to choose where you spend your time. And I thought it was super important to ask myself, like, okay, I am now in a career transition. So where do I want to be spending my time? What are the things I want to be doing? So sure, maybe I don't work nights and weekends now, but I have plenty more time to spend with friends and family, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, And maybe, yes, I am running a business. So maybe I don't get an hour to an hour and a half at the gym anymore, but at least I make 30 minutes for it. So even just thinking about small nuanced ways of moving my schedule around was really valuable for me. Yeah, I think about it as being on offense versus defense. And it's so easy to fall into defense where you're just doing all these things that people expect of you. But to actually start the to-do list with what you want to accomplish Mm -hmm. and to have things in your life that you find very exciting and motivating and that you want to make time for, that was just like such a big aha for me. It comes back to like scarcity or abundance for me. That's how I think of it. Like offense or defense. Well, I would much prefer to live life this way. (laughs) And I hope everybody listening to the show joins us in that journey. Seriously. Anything else that you got out of it? I also really enjoyed how she talked about the anticipating self versus the present self versus the remembering self when you're planning something. And I think we all like to have things that we're looking forward to. And then it's a matter of, are we conserving our energy to be able to do those things that we say we want to do? I've been thinking a lot about this concept, like yourself today versus yourself in the future. Mm -hmm. And I've actually been thinking about it like in terms of working out, either yourself today experiences some pain from the exercise versus yourself in the future experiences pain because you don't have any muscles or bone marrow left. Seriously. So don't just live for yourself today and what you feel like you have to do, like plan ahead for the yourself in the future. And, and what you want that self to experience because there's some stuff you need to do today for that future self. Oh, I, some of my old coworkers used to be like, I don't know how you get to the gym. I'm like, it's planned on the calendar. Like the, your gym time is planned. That's how you make it happen. You just go when it's on the calendar. Yes, that's that's how I you committed make it happen. to it. It's going, I'm going. <laughs> I promised to my future self yes. that I would be there. Exactly. Well, I would love to hear what you all have to say. Jesse and I um, would love to hear your thoughts and comments about the show on the Facebook group. And, you know, if you love the show, feel free to share it with friends, copy me or Jesse. Um, we'll start including Jesse's handle in all the show notes. We'll have the worksheet that Laura came up with, um, all kinds of other links to, to help you find out more about her work. And just in general to Jesse, everybody else listening, um, if you're thinking about changing your perspective on life and opening up these huge new opportunities. Just remember, curiosity is your superpower. That's how you make it happen. Bum ba da bum. There should be swag. There should just be more swag. <laughs> and you get a cape. And you get a cape. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>